Welcome to Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. I'm Shannon Powell. Today, we're talking about the Court of Appeals and the search for a new chief judge. Governor Kathy Hochul has until December 23rd to nominate one of seven possible candidates for the top job on the state's highest court. Former Chief Judge Janet DeFiori abruptly stepped down earlier this year. Many progressives blame her for the court's drift to the right, including blocking congressional districts drawn by the legislature, a move that cost New York Democrats numerous House seats this past cycle. Progressive activists and advocacy groups have their own ideas about who should take DeFiori's place. Peter Martin, Director of Judicial Accountability at the Center for Community Alternatives and a leader of the Court New York Deserves campaign, of which IW is a member, joins us today to talk about the vacancy. Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the basics here. Tell me, what is the Court of Appeals and why does it matter so much? I think many people are unfamiliar with this court. Yeah, the Court of Appeals is New York's highest court. So that means it is the equivalent of the U.S. Supreme Court, but for our state court system. It matters in the same way that the U.S. Supreme Court matters. It's the final arbiter of state law um, in terms of questions of constitutionality and also questions of statutory interpretation, meaning uh, there are lots of lawsuits filed over what laws, what statutes mean, and the Court of Appeals is uh, the final word on those questions. So, Peter, some progressive activists are calling this the most right-wing appeals court in recent history. It has a 4-3 conservative majority that votes together as a block pretty much most of the time. We saw it with redistricting. Uh, Can you give me a few other examples of how this conservative majority has favored powerful interests over vulnerable New Yorkers? Yes, absolutely. And and what you said is right. Um, in recent years, thanks to the appointment of former Governor Cuomo, the court has moved dramatically to the right in a way that um, you know rivals the U.S. Supreme Court um, and is even more dramatic and you know, surprising in a state like New York, where you would expect um, that we would have a more progressive court. So two other, you mentioned the redistricting decision, two others that immediately come to mind Um, One is a decision, I believe, from 2020, which was um, in response to a challenge to 2019 uh, rent and tenant protections that the legislature passed. The Court of Appeals um, heard various challenges to that law and held, I would have to go back and look at the decision to make sure I'm getting this exactly right, um, but basically held that the law violated landlords' rights in various ways and so overturned parts of that law meaning it weakened the exact protections that the legislature and the governor had passed um, to try to help New Yorkers have more stable housing. An earlier decision just from a couple of years before um, was a criminal justice case where the Court of Appeals held that if a person pleads guilty, they can never later introduce evidence of their actual innocence unless they have DNA, meaning as hopefully most Americans are now aware, there are lots of people who plead guilty to charges regardless of their guilt or innocence. They do so because they're in jail awaiting trial. They do so for other reasons, you know, fear of um, the the lengthy sentence they might receive if they're convicted at trial. Um, And the Court of Appeals held, if you plead guilty and you're innocent, and later evidence comes out that's not DNA evidence, maybe it's testimonial evidence, someone saying, 
I previously lied about this person or whatever else, too bad, you can't introduce that. So those are just two, in my opinion, really you know, shocking decisions that come to mind. There's a long list of other decisions like those. The chief judge is obviously very influential. Di Fiori was very close to Cuomo, as you mentioned before, and seems to have done his bidding to appease Republicans. What function does the chief judge have and why is choosing the right person to fill this vacancy so important? Those are great questions. So on paper, the chief judge should be a true civil servant. The chief judge should be um, really two main roles. One is a judge on the Court of Appeals and in some administrative ways, the, the head of the Court of Appeals. But separate from that, they're also the head of the entire state court system. So if you you know think back to basic civics, you have the executive, the legislature, um, and the judiciary branch. This is the state judiciary branch, and they are the person on top of that. So they have appointment powers throughout the court system. They have powers of setting policy and otherwise um, directing the courts. You mentioned former Chief Judge DeFiore's close relationship with former Governor Cuomo, that was no accident. You know, Cuomo appointed her, Cuomo appointed DeFiore because they knew each other and Cuomo had all reason to believe that DeFiore would help him extend his influence over the judiciary. And she did that faithfully. That shouldn't be the case. Governors should not be seeking to exert that level of control over the court system. And I am at the very least optimistic that the next chief judge will not have a relationship with either our current governor or future governors that DeFiore and Cuomo had. Governor Hochul wrote an editorial, I believe it was in the Daily News, uh, about what she wanted to see. What did you, in a chief judge, what did you take from that editorial? Yeah, I was um, surprised and, and pretty heartened to see that. Um, surprised just because I didn't expect it to come out um, and not when it did. Um, and heartened because I thought most of what she said really aligns with what we've been calling for for months. The two big messages in that piece were she wants the next chief judge to be someone who will restore the former national preeminence of the Court of Appeals and someone who could be a plausible Supreme Court justice someday. We think that's phenomenal. Um, the Court of Appeals really does need to return in quality to what it once was, and hopefully that would come with you know reputational improvements as well. Whether Court of Appeals judges should or should not, you know, be on the U.S. Supreme Court someday, her the fact that Governor Hochul is thinking that way suggests a real attentiveness to, you know, intellect, thoughtful decision making, etc. So we welcome that. And the other thing that she focused on, we also think is important. She mentioned the ongoing crisis at Rikers Island um, and wanting a chief judge who would take that seriously, help resolve um, what's going on there, including you know, the fact that so many people are on Rikers for so long because they're awaiting trial much longer than they should. Um, but also, the governor noted in that piece, we need a chief judge who will approach that humanely. We can't just have a chief judge who wants to, you know, rush people through to, you know, coerce guilty pleas or, or other harmful resolutions like that. So um, overall, I was I was very happy to see the governor state those priorities publicly. So, Peter, the Commission on Judicial Nomination put forth a list of seven candidates for Governor Hochul to choose from. Who do you think are the best candidates for the job and why? Since that list came out, um, those of us involved with the Court New York Deserves have done a deep dive into the records of all seven. Um, they include sitting judges, 
as well as people who have never been judges. So we've looked into their judicial decisions. We've looked into their academic writings. We've looked into their accomplishments, um, whether in government or uh, through litigation or otherwise. And so based on that research um, and our analysis of it, we feel quite confident that three of the seven would be really excellent chief judges. Those three are Corey Stoughton, Judge Edwina Richardson Mendelssohn, and Abby Gluck. Uh, the three of them have very different careers. Corey Stoughton is a career civil rights lawyer, um, primarily, though not entirely, uh, as a litigator. She also has experience working for the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. So she's been in and outside government, but throughout fighting for civil rights in the sort of most classic pure sense. Judge Richardson Mendelssohn is a longtime judge and uh, has been a court administrator for a number of years. She's clearly the candidate of the seven who has the deepest knowledge of and appreciation for how the New York court system works, what it's doing well, what it's not doing well, and many of the stakeholders and other you know, influential people that the next chief judge will need to work well with to make positive change. And then lastly, Abby Gluck is just a phenomenally impressive and accomplished um, both academic and government lawyer. She's been a professor at both a law school and a medical school for a number of years, which is a you know an odd and impressive pairing. Um, her focus is health law and policy, a you know hugely important one for um, you know for the court system to have appreciation for. Um, but she's also worked in government actually at all three levels, so local, state, and federal government. Most recently, recently in the Biden administration, um, helping with COVID nineteen policy. So the three of them, just as I've said, now repeating myself, incredibly impressive, incredibly highly qualified, and with a record that shows they would bring to the role the kind of deep care and appreciation for how government and how courts can either help or hurt regular people that we believe the next chief judge needs to have. And which candidates do you think then are unacceptable? So unfortunately, the list includes three candidates who, based on you know, review of their records, we think would be harmful and therefore who we think are unacceptable. Those three are all sitting judges. Um, so really, we, we dove into their judicial decisions um, to reach that determination. They are Anthony Conataro, who's currently the acting chief judge of the Court of Appeals um, and has been on the court for 18 months now. Justice Hector LaSalle, who's the presiding justice of the Second Department Appellate Division, um, and Justice Jeffrey Oying, who's an associate justice on the First Department Appellate Division. The three of them have different records, and so I don't mean to suggest that they're identical, but what they share is a distinctly conservative judicial record, most notably seen in criminal cases where especially Justice LaSalle and Justice Oying um, have ruled consistently, almost overwhelmingly, for the prosecution and against defendants. Um, but they also have among them decisions that are anti-tenant, anti-union, anti-abortion. Um, and so we think they would be um, just wrong for New York. So tell me a little bit about the process. Governor Hochul has until December 23rd to make her choice known. Then what happens? That's right. Yes, her window is from now till the 23rd. And then the, the next and final step of the process is that the state Senate has to provide their constitutional advice and consent duty, which uh, means taking a vote on the nominee and either confirming or rejecting them. There's a, an intermediate step where the Senate Judiciary Committee will hold a hearing uh, where they get to ask questions of the nominee and then make a recommendation vote. Um, 
I forget exactly how many senators are on the Judiciary Committee. I think it's 10 or 12. So those, you know, 10 or 12 senators will um, get a chance to, you know, engage with the nominee, think about them more deeply, and then recommend to the entire Senate whether they be confirmed or rejected. Um, and then, yes, every senator will be asked to to vote on the nomination. So what happens if the governor makes a, a, a choice and chooses somebody that is a, one of the unacceptable candidates? What what should we at home be doing? We should, at that point, contact our senators, all of us around the state, and let them know that the nominee is unacceptable um, and ask them to vote no. There will be a 30-day window from that point. Um, so we'll have a little bit of time, but not a whole lot. Um, so we'll need to act pretty quickly to, to make our, our voices and our sentiments known. And what we need to communicate to our senators is that first, um, the nomination and you know, the nominee, if confirmed, would be harmful, and we expect them to appreciate that and you know vote no on those grounds alone, but also that we as their constituents are paying attention and are going to hold them accountable. Um, if they confirm someone who then is in a position to do harm for 14 years, um, we know that they were you know, involved in that um, and... Uh, as I said, we'll hold them accountable for it. And I would imagine if the governor chooses somebody we like, then we should also reach out and say this is a great choice and uh, thank you and please, please forward their nomination. The state Senate, right, has never rejected a, a, a nominee before, correct? That's right. And especially on the first point, absolutely. Um, we hope and we expect that Governor Hochul will uh, share at least our broad assessments of the candidates. And so, um, yeah, we're we're awaiting, hopefully, an announcement that she's nominating one of the excellent candidates, in which case, yes, we should all say that the nomination is excellent, you know, tell our senators, we hope they'll confirm them. Um, that will require less on the part of us as regular New Yorkers, because as you said, the Senate has since it switched to this um, structure of Court of Appeals nomination and confirmation in the late 70s, it has never rejected a Court of Appeals nominee. So we'll have an uphill fight um, if it's, you know, if it is a fight, um, but it should be and, and would be smooth sailing if the governor does the right thing. Peter, I jumped the gun a little bit. We are asking people to reach out to the governor and express their opinion about how they feel about the, the choices before them. What do you suggest that people at home do? We're asking people to reach out to Governor Hochul's office and let her know who you think the right candidates are. Um, so, you know, everyone should recognize this as, a, as an opportunity for citizen engagement. Um, this is something that you know, the governor is accountable to the people on. And so New Yorkers everywhere should feel empowered to communicate their feelings to the governor. Um, and that can be as simple as, you know, I call on you to nominate this one candidate or these three candidates, or I call on you not to nominate these unacceptable candidates. Peter, is there anything else you'd like to add? Just to underscore how important this is. Obviously, you know this, Shannon. I, I appreciate you bringing this to you know the attention of of your audience. Um, but as you said at the beginning of the interview, courts in general fly under the radar. The Court of Appeals is not as well known as it should be, given the the power it has over all of us as New Yorkers. Um, and so, I just want to you know echo what you and I have been saying throughout, which is this matters a lot. Um, it matters given the sweep of the Court of Appeals and the court system. And it matters because it's a 14-year appointment. This will be our only chance in the next decade and a half to, to have the impact that we can have right now. So um, I hope that we really seize it. It indeed is a historic moment. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Shannon. 
Thanks for listening to Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. Check out our website at indivisiblewestchester.org for more information about the court that New York deserves and the search for a chief judge.